This episode of Radiate is brought to you by MasterCard Labs. Stay tuned for a special message about the way MasterCard is helping entrepreneurs thrive with technology solutions. That's coming up on this episode of Radiate. What defines success? It's critical to surround yourself with people that are better than you. No person is successful in and of themselves. They need a great team around them. And so try to create an environment where great people can do their best work. What happens when you get knocked down? The role of an executive is to recruit, retain, and motivate great people, and then to create an environment where they can do their best work. And those two things are even more important in a crisis. What makes some people radiate? How do I become a better CEO? I realize that it's a constant process, like I'm always getting better in my job, and and that only comes through experience. This is Radiate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Radiate, the show where we interview some of the world's most successful people to find out how they work their way to the top. This week, it's an entrepreneur who spent the majority of his career creating two big companies. The first is Hotwire, which he started at the age of 24, so young. And the second is Zillow, the place you go to find homes and find out how much your neighbor's home is worth. Well, Spencer led the company through its IPO and through 11 acquisitions. He managed both those companies in pretty rough times, including the latest recession. He was named one of the 20 most powerful CEOs under the age of 40 by Forbes, and he's also the host of his own podcast, Office Hours, where he talks shop with other CEOs like Dick Costello, formerly of Twitter. Spencer packs quite a punch in this interview, and you are going to get a ton of insight from him. Enjoy. So Spencer, great to have you on Radiate. I'm very excited to speak with you. Yeah, same here. Okay, so so Spencer, I know a lot of people know you, of course, as um, uh, you know, a, a, as the CEO of Zillow, and they of course know Zillow. But tell us a little bit about about how you got here. I mean, you know, you're so young to be at the position <laughs> that you are. I mean, what was your secret? Um, thank you. I mean, you know, I, look, I've been I've been very fortunate. I'll start by I'll start by recognizing that. <laughs> um, I started in investment banking straight out of college. I was at Goldman Sachs as an investment banking analyst in M&A, um, right. which is a great place to start, uh, but I wasn't really that keen on staying in banking for a variety of reasons, and I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. I moved to San Francisco, and I started working at a private equity firm called TPG Capital. And then at TPG, we came up with this idea for Hotwire, which was to start an airline industry owned consortium competitor to Priceline in the discount travel space. Right. And so I, I eventually left TPG to help co-found and then help run Hotwire in 1999 when I was 23. And uh, four years later in 2003, we sold Hotwire to Expedia. So it was, uh, it was off to the races in technology and startups. And my first startup was Hotwire. And then in 2005, I helped start Zillow, which was my second startup. It's incredible because you make it sound so easy, but it was hard, <laughs> right? I mean, tell me the hardest moments. Uh, it was very hard. And in particular, <laughs> Hotwire after 9-11 was particularly hard. Um, we did a down round. We had layoffs. It was grim. Um, nobody booked travel practically for six or more months. Right. And, um, you know, and it was it was very, very difficult. Um, and at Zillow in 2008, during the financial crisis, it was very difficult to be right in the epicenter of everything that was melting down in the world from housing, mortgage finance, um, online advertising. I mean, 2008 was, was a grim time to be running a startup. Um, so th- there were certainly hard times at both companies, to be sure. In both cases, the companies really bound together during those difficult times. And 
the people that you know the people that that stayed uh, through those difficult times had sort of a, a, a survivor's um, bond um, mm-hmm. and worked incredibly hard to to see through the vision and um, you know and both companies were successful as a result. Well, absolutely, and I just want to take a, a moment just to pause on that though. I mean, because you you did run companies or you have run companies through some pretty big crises. So you know, how do you? A, keep your employees, you know, how do you buck them up and make sure that they know that the company's, you know, on track? Yeah. And then two, how do you deal with any fears that you might have? So it's it's very difficult as a CEO to navigate that fine line, um, especially CEOs like like myself who try to be very transparent with their team. Um, right. And so, I, I mean, it, I try to walk that fine line between being honest about the situation, but also being optimistic um, and and but not unrealistic. So, um, I do I do have to give a fair amount of thought to which audience am I speaking with right now. So, an executive might choose to be even more vulnerable and transparent with his or her executive team, for example, than with the whole company. But people see through things pretty quick, um, especially now. You know what's important to understand is that as compared with the 1980s, where information was a hot and hard to get commodity around a company. Now information is everywhere. So a CEO can't stand in front of their 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 company and and you know shovel shovel nonsense at them because the employees are looking at salesforce.com they're looking at um, data in uh, you know in in QuickBooks, Great Plains, you know, wh- wherever the case may be, and Domo and right. Omniture, et cetera. And so people have access to all this information about how the company's actually doing. In the 80s and 90s, it wasn't that way. You know, only the executive suite. You can't suite. swindle them anymore. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you kind of have to manage some transparency. Um, you, can't, you can't, you know, snow your employees because everybody knows what's going on because there's data everywhere at, at companies like Zillow. So, you know, the important thing about managing through a crisis is trying to figure out who's there for the right reasons. Um, and the role of an executive is to recruit, retain, and motivate great people, and then to create an environment where they can do their best work. And and that's even th- those two things are even more important in a crisis. Um, you know, you want to get rid of the mercenaries and and make sure that you keep the missionaries. Um, and that's the first thing that an executive has to do in in a crisis situation is weed out the mercenaries from the missionaries. Right. I like the way you put that. You know, and speaking about sort of categorizing or, or looking at people, um, you know, there's an article that I read just this week actually about from a pretty well-known executive coach who um, outlined like six leadership styles, right? So he has commanding, visionary, affirmative, uh, pace setting, um, democratic, or coaching. And I'm kind of curious, Spencer, you know, like what category would you put yourself in? That's that's an interesting, that's super interesting to, to hear sort of a, a categorization and a paradigm of, of classifying management styles. I feel like I'm different ones at different times in different settings. Right. And I think that has helped me be successful. I mean, we have this thing at Zillow called Insights where every employee takes a uh, basically a personality test and it mm. helps explain what color energy you lead with. So I lead with red energy, which is very competitive, very direct. The, the phrase um, that people who lead with red energy most relate to is be brief, be bright, be gone. So that's mm. how I like to communicate with people is to be brief, be bright, be gone. Um, <laughs> and it's very different from uh, people that lead with yellow energy who have a very sunny, happy disposition or people who lead with cool blue energy who are very analytical and quantitative and green energy is different as well. Anyway, the reason that we do this at Zillow, the reason that we, we actually 
tell everybody to take this test and then classify themselves based on it and make it available for everyone to see. So ever, you can look on our corporate internet and you can see, you know, any employee's insights color block it's called. And then we give them these little physical blocks to put at their desk is because we want people to adjust their communication style based on who they're communicating with. So for example, mm -hmm. if I have to deliver news to somebody who leads with, um, uh, with green energy, that's somebody that really wants to be involved in things and really wants to be, you know, sat down and have things discussed and, and they want to be part of the decision-making process. That's very different than someone who leads with red energy who's just get to the point, just tell me what I need to do, I'll go do it, I'll do it well. And so I change my communication style based on, on the person that I'm communicating with. That's fascinating. Like, did you, like, where did you get this from? What is this insight called? It, so it's, it's called Insights. It's a, it's a company that has this, you know, this test and they, and they have, have pioneered this. And, and there are a fair number of tech companies that, that do this. I think Microsoft um, sort of pioneered it. And, and I, I, I think it's pretty widely baked in Microsoft. You know, Myers-Briggs is the other, um, the other big one, but there are a couple others. The, the, the biggest thing that's been useful about it has been that it, it just creates a, a shared vocabulary for people. Um, like quick story. So, so one of my direct reports also leads with red energy, very direct guy runs revenue sales and, and the business side of our company. Right. And usually he and I have, you know, 45 second one-on-ones. It's very, you know, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And, and, um, you know, I, I sat down with him a month, a month or so ago for one-on-one -on -one, and I was like, Hey, how are you? And he was like, why, why are you asking? Like, what, what, like you never asked that. <laughs> He's like, you know, he just immediately <laughs> detected uh, that, like small talk, like, you know, what is going on? Yeah. Like there's not small usually small talk in this relationship. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we just both kind of had a laugh about it and it was clear that it was a red talking to a red and, and it was uncomfortable. And anyway, so it's, it's, it's kind of created a shared, a shared language for, for these types of communications. And do you find that like there are certain personalities though, that do rise up to the top as leaders? Or? <laughs> That's a great question. One of, one of the, one of the, when we were trying to decide whether to roll this out broadly, one of the concerns that we had was, well, you know, what if we, what if we conclude that you, you know, you can only get ahead if you lead with a certain type of energy? Is that, is that exactly. appropriate? Because we actually want diversity of, of, of personality of, of these right. different energy levels. And so we have data all over the place on this issue. And the answer is fortunately, um, uh, that there are plenty of people at all levels and, you know, that lead with all different color energies. And so, um, it hasn't, uh, it, it, that hasn't been an issue, but it was something that I worried about. And actually just having this out in the open has helped because now people that, uh, you know, lead with blue energy, for example, they know that, uh, they, they, like everybody knows wh who, who comes with what personality biases, uh, yeah. to the conversation. So, um, it, it just, it just makes people more aware of these types of things. Right. It makes them more transparent. You know, mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious. I, I often hear from CEOs, you know, like you've risen to the top, so you don't really need any kind of like management advice. I mean, you're actually doling out your own management advice. <laughs> um, but, but like, but I hear one big problem or I guess issue for CEOs like you who are, you know, doing a ton of things at the same time is like, how do you keep on top of everything? Not just like your time management, but just, you know, like the latest trends and like, you know, some new, some new product comes out or some new technology. Like how do you stay on top of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, you know, in technology, things are moving so quickly. It is very, very difficult. Um, right. I have a lot of in, information sources. I mean, certainly rely on Twitter for, for a lot. And I read a lot of blogs and a lot of different newspapers every day. Um, and, um, I, um, you know, what I do like 
tactically is I actually, um, believe it or not, I print a lot of things to read. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like any, any, I believe uh, it. I love that. <laughs> so, you know, any, any like article, somebody will tweet, tweet something with link and I'll grab the URL and, uh, you know, I'll email myself all the, you know, all the URLs of, of articles that I want to read and I'll print them out. And then, you know, when I got on a plane or whatever, I always have a stack of you know hundred pages of things that I want to read. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, I, I usually, I, I usually hear about things through lots of different sources and, and sometimes I pay attention immediately. Sometimes I don't take like right now, this Pokemon thing that everybody's you know, yeah. talking about. So, you know, I'm aware of it. I kind of know it about it, whatever, but I haven't fully like dug in and downloaded the app and figured out how it's working and why it's gone viral, et cetera. Um, you know, I'll probably give it another week or two and sort of see what happens. And, and then when I'm ready to go in, I go, I go deep, like, so okay. Snapchat right now, like, you know, I was aware of Snapchat for, for the last two years or so, kind of sort of paying tangential attention. A month ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to get serious about Snapchat. I sat down with somebody here who was a subject matter expert on Snapchat. And, <laughs> um, and then I went all in and now I'm using it and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm living and breathing it. I'm fully all in. In another couple of weeks, I'll decide if I'm going to continue to use that platform. But that tends to be how I learn and stay on top of new things. And, and why did you go all in into Snapchat? Um, well, I've gone on all in, all in for a period of time. I haven't decided if I'm gonna if I'm gonna stay all in. Um, you, you know, it's it's usage is now so so massive, um, and it's becoming ubiquitous so quickly that I felt it was too important a platform to ignore. And um, I'm still not quite sure about it. I mean, I, I get it now. I understand. I'm no longer like you know the typical person in their 40s who's like, I don't get Snapchat. I get Snapchat <laughs> now. I understand it. Um, I get it. I understand what it's used for. I get its appeal. I get its entertainment value. I haven't decided yet whether it's a it's a good platform for me as an executive to invest my time to sort of build my personal brand the way I use Twitter the way I use blogs the way I use LinkedIn um, right, to, to, do to, to do that it, it's 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 unclear there are some people um, a couple of venture capitalists a couple of entrepreneurs that are doing that on snapchat where they're really using it as a business platform for their own brand building um, and I, I haven't really decided yet if I'm, if that's how I'm going to use it. Coming up, Spencer talks about what he learns from other CEOs. But first, a brief word from our friends at MasterCard Labs. This episode of Radiate is sponsored by MasterCard Labs. For most of us, when we think of MasterCard, we think credit card. But MasterCard is reinventing itself as a tech company. Now I know what you're thinking, everybody wants to be a tech company, but if you walk around the MasterCard New York City tech hub, you'll see they're dead serious. Recently, we visited their lab to check out the groceries by MasterCard app for the Samsung refrigerator. That's the sound of the fridge, which has a big TV screen on it that basically makes you feel like you're at the fast food drive through while foraging for that last piece of pie. Here's MasterCard Labs' Jeannie Hai. This refrigerator was actually developed uh, with Samsung with MasterCard Labs, and we worked with their Tizen operating system to integrate the first shopping app here. And essentially, you can order from Fresh Direct and ShopRite, multi-merchant shopping, but one single checkout. The refrigerator and the app were unveiled this year at the Consumer Electronics Show with partner Fresh Direct. Here's Lisa Claudney Johnson, Vice President of Brand Marketing and Communications at Fresh Direct. Working with MasterCard has been just a wonderful experience for Fresh Direct, very collaborative. The refrigerator is just unbelievably cool. you're, You're basically, you've got this enormous TV on the front of your refrigerator. And I don't think unless you are in front of it, 
that you really understand how that experience really comes to bear. And that's Betty DeVita, Chief Commercial Officer at MasterCard Labs. She's also helped start the Women's Leadership Network at MasterCard. We believe very strongly in partnerships, and we understand that really finding the right partners not only help us collaborate, but bring together assets that in today's world are impossible to curate on your own. So if you're a tech company looking for a partner, think about MasterCard Labs. So just in the last few minutes, um, you know, I want to talk about your podcast, Office Hours, because I think it's interesting that you're interviewing other CEOs, like your peers, to get their advice and to get their stories. I mean, what wh- what are you learning from them and why are you doing that? Yeah, so um, I started this um, really for fun, for my own for my own enjoyment, because um, because you podcast, don't have enough to do. Well, I, you know, <laughs> what I, what I found myself was the way I learn is by talking. The way I get better at being a CEO is by talking with other executives. Um, and um, right. you know, I never went to business school. Um, I've really only worked at, at two companies and basically I've run both of them, you know, Hotwire mm-hmm. and Zillow. And so, uh, so how do I become a better CEO? I realized that it's, it's an, it's a constant process. Like I'm always getting better in my job and I, that only comes through experience. And so, um, I network a lot with other CEOs and I, I would, every time I go to a city, I would sit, you know, I would ring, you know, I'd, I'd email a couple executives and try to get people together and just, just learn and share challenges. And it occurred to me that, wow, wouldn't it be great for others to be a fly on the wall in this conversation? And so um, what I've done for this Office Hours podcast is I've done exactly that. I've had conversations with other executives like this one, right. talking about management, leadership, how do you deal with change, how do you motivate people, You know, what are the biggest challenges of your job? And I've got some great guests, the former CEO of Twitter, the CEO of Citigroup, CEO mm-hmm. of Mod Pizza, which is a hyper-growth company in the fast yeah. casual food space, et cetera. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been met with, uh, with a lot of interest and clearly it's subject matter that people, you know, that people that resonates with people. Is it affirming to you or is it, I mean, you know, are you really looking for information or is it just affirmation for you? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's learning. I mean, I, I really, I walk into these, you know, I, I set them up as an interview. Like I'll sit down with the CEO of Citigroup who has over a hundred thousand employees and, right. you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, how do you motivate a hundred thousand people in over a hundred countries? And it's not just because I think it would make a, an interesting question or discussion in the podcast. It's because I really want to learn that. I really want to know be, for my <laughs> own edification because Zillow's at, you know, over 2000 employees soon will be at 3000 and 5000. And as we scale, I want to learn how he, you know, how he does what he does. How he does it, right. Um, so it's totally selfish. Uh, <laughs> and I figure, you know, why don't I just include a microphone and see if others can learn from it too? No, that's great. That's great. And then just, uh, Spencer, before we go, so just just give us one piece of advice that you've learned or, or, or one thing that, you know, that was a big takeaway for you that you think our listeners would like. You know, I've found that it's critical to surround yourself with people that are better than you. Um, the, the, no person is successful in and of themselves. They need a great team around them. And so try to create an environment where great people can do their best work and people want to work with people that they like. Um, so it's important to be likable totally. and approachable and transparent. And, um, you know, that is, that is uh, competency is not a substitute for likability uh, and competency is not a substitute for team building. Um, the team is much more important than any, any individual's uh, competency. 
That's it for this week. To learn more from CEOs and other leaders, head to RadiateInc.com where you can not only listen to the podcast, but you can also watch our Radiate videos and register for premium offerings. And don't forget, sign up for our newsletter. You'll love it. You can also find our podcast anywhere iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, anywhere you want, you can listen to our podcast. Thanks for joining, guys. See you next week on Radiate.